Hello, and welcome to the Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Chapter 3 Cypher Fox As a superspreader, Jenny's main responsibility was to keep away from other people, which was why she'd spent the best part of four weeks completely isolated in her room. Except for bathroom breaks, that was. It had almost been fun at first, like camping, only drier with a more comfortable bed. Someone, usually one of her sisters, brought her food up at mealtimes and left it outside her door. She put her dirty washing in a bin liner and left it in the bathroom. It was all a bit of a game. After the first few days, she thought she'd be happy isolating for a whole year or more. Schoolwork was harder to get on with. There weren't enough computers in the house for everyone, and she, the youngest of four sisters, was the lowest priority user. So she did what she could on her phone, and that would have to do. And then, after a week and a half, she was thoroughly tired of it all. Tired and bored. She wondered if she would ever be able to go outside again. If she did go outside, she might pick up the virus again and start spreading it. At no point had she noticed any symptoms either, so she would never know that she had the virus. So she would always have to assume that she did. It was hopeless. And now there was a bang on her door. Hey in there. Annabelle's voice came through. Jenny was at her desk, bent low over a page of instructions for a simple-looking origami fox that was turning out to be rather less than simple. More like magically impossible. She straightened her back and stretched, trying to remember what time it was. Not dinner time, she'd eaten an hour ago. She wasn't even sure what day it was. Come on, I'm not waiting here all day with a message from your boyfriend. Sorry, Jenny said, and he's not my boyfriend. Whatever. No boy ever sent me weird messages like this unless he fancied me. Actually, I've never got any messages like this before. Get a pen. I'm not reading this out twice. Before Jenny could reach a pencil out of her desk drawer, Annabelle began reading out the message in a bored monotone from behind the door. Hail Caesar, the fourth emperor. Lum nerk, muh, quick srkstump, exec. Oh, bother. I'll just spell it out. It doesn't make any sense out loud. L-M space N-I-R. Jenny desperately hunted around her desk for a piece of paper. Then she noticed the half-made fox. Sorry, Foxy, she muttered, and started scrawling down the message across what was probably going to become its front legs. Annabelle kept on reading out letters and spaces. Jenny soon found the legs had filled up. She moved next to a flap that might have been the tail, and then the hind legs and the back and any other flap she could find. Eventually, the stream of letters ended, and the fox was looking rather sorry for itself. And I'm not reading that out again, Annabelle said. If you want to look at it yourself, you have to come out of hiding. I'm not hiding, Jenny protested. I'm self-isolating to protect you. What was the first bit again? Hail Caesar the what? There was no reply. That was another problem with isolation. You ended up talking to an empty hallway when the person on the other side walked off. Jenny sighed and looked at her scribblings on the fox. Well, she would have to hold off the next difficult fold now. It would mix up all the letters. Then again, the letters were mixed up enough already. Knowing James, it must be a code. That was the sort of thing he liked. 
But why was he sending her a coded message now? And how could she decipher it? And what did the bit about Caesar mean? The first thing she did was to find a school exercise book and copy the letters out neatly. Then she stared at it. It must be important, otherwise he wouldn't have gone to the trouble of sending it to Annabelle. She read the Caesar bit again. Nothing. Why couldn't James just have sent her a normal message? At least she had plenty of time to work it out. That was her most abundant resource. Time. She went back to the poor, half-finished origami fox. Let's get you sorted, Mr. Fox, she said. Talking to her origami models seemed quite normal now. Folding the little animals was one of the few upsides to isolation. She had found an old origami calendar, an unopened Christmas present from a few years ago, under her bed. After a week, she had folded all 365 of the models. She found she wanted to fold more, so searched for instruction videos on her phone. The videos helped her fold more complicated models, but following along on the little screen was annoying. So she had asked her mum to order her a few books, which arrived a day later. She quickly devoured the first beginner's book. She was now folding intermediate models by a Japanese artist, but they were very challenging. She often had to look up particular moves online, and even then, even with someone doing it slowly in a video, they could be very hard to replicate. But she persisted, and then her phone broke, and she was stuck on step 47 of the fox. She unfolded the last few steps to check she'd done them right. The letters from James's message were shifted apart by her unfolding. She looked carefully at the folds to compare the diagrams with the book. Caesar was the fourth emperor, was staring back at her. No, he wasn't, she said. I don't think he was an emperor at all, was he, Foxy? James wouldn't have made that sort of mistake. It must be a clue. Maybe he wanted her to look at every fourth letter. She put the fox down, went back to the neat version of the message in her exercise book, and carefully underlined the fourth letters. The result was still gobbledygook. James wouldn't have made it too hard, she was sure. He was very good at codes and deciphering, and he knew she wasn't. If her phone had been working, she would simply have searched for Caesar and code. Why Caesar? Why fourth? Where she had written it on the fox, the A and E of Caesar were separated by a faint construction fold line. A and E was a strange digraph and they could be joined together too. She counted through the alphabet. E was four letters on from A. Maybe that was it. She went back to the neat version again, this time faintly writing the fourth letter on in the alphabet above each coded letter. The result was still nonsense. Then she had an idea. If A turned into E by going on for then E would decipher to A by going back for. So she counted back from each letter of the message. The first two were L and M, which turned into H and I. That was a good start. The next word, NERK, turned into J-E-N-N-Y. Hi, Jenny. She'd solved it. Half an hour later, the fox lay unfinished and neglected, while Jenny learned all about James's meeting with No-Tail, and his run-in with the drop-lifters, 
and the mysterious cowboy. It certainly sounded a lot like an adventure. They really needed to find out more about what No-Tail was scared of, and she had an idea about how to do that. Then she felt a surge of self-pity. In isolation, she wouldn't be able to help at all. She was worse than useless. She got up suddenly, shoving her chair back with frustration, and threw herself down on her bed. Why did she have to be a super-spreader? When could she ever go outside again? The alarm clock on her bedside table showed the date. It was a Friday. She'd been isolated for 24 days, but it was 40 days since the last dance practice. Either she would have to stay inside forever, or she could go out now. Another day, week, or month would make no difference. It was after 7pm, but still light outside. Now or never. 24 days was enough. She changed out of her pyjamas, pulled on the face mask she wore on her trips to the bathroom, put her gloves on, and left her room. Downstairs, her mum, her dad, and next sister up were clearing away their dinner. Hi, Jenny said. Has anyone been walking Mrs. Perry's dog for her? Her mum looked round and shook her head. Mrs. Perry lived two doors up with her dog, Teddy. Mrs. Perry was too old to give Teddy enough exercise, so Jenny took him to the park a few times a week. Poor dog must be going up the walls over the last four weeks. Could you call her and ask her to tie it up on her railing and I'll take it out for a walk? Her mum nodded and made the call. Nobody else said anything about Jenny's break from isolation. She wondered if, perhaps, they hadn't even noticed she was isolating at all. Five minutes later, after waving to Mrs Perry through the window, Jenny was holding Teddy's lead with her gloved hand and walking briskly toward Preston Park. The sky was clear, not even a single vapour trail across the faded hazy blue. While the roads were quiet, there were plenty of people around. Jenny would have liked more of them to be wearing masks, but she was pleased how everyone was quick to keep their distance from each other. Her first thought on reading James's message had been to go to the king under the fort and ask him what was going on. She did not feel like heading all the way up to Hollingbury Hill Fort alone on her first outing, so she decided to ask someone a little closer to home. Teddy had practically pulled her arm off on the walk. She let him off the lead when she reached the lower playing fields. He tore off in a huge circle, chasing an imaginary boomerang. She stood and watched, glad to be outdoors, and glad that there was no one anywhere near her. Before the sun got too low, she called Teddy, put him back on his lead, and crossed the wide path between the playing fields and the twin elms. There was only one twin now. The other had succumbed to disease the year before. But the one she wanted was still standing, tall and proud and ancient as ever. It may have been over 400 years old, but its leaves were green and new. And it still had the deep gap running up from the ground, a dark crevice in its wide trunk. In the time that she had been isolating, the trees had transformed from thin bare skeletons without her noticing. There was a new railing around the patch of ground where the missing elm once stood. Jenny tied Teddy to it. She had no idea what Hegel thought about dogs, but guessed he didn't like them. Then she went to the gap in the trunk of the surviving twin elm tree. 
Teddy watched her curiously as she checked that no one was looking, and then squeezed herself through the gap into the shadowy sanctum of the ancient tree. It was cool inside. Along with the musty, damp smell was another smell that was unfamiliar. It was not pleasant, but Jenny kept moving through the narrow crevice path. It widened and there were noises ahead. The clanking of a pan and the shuffle of a chair. She took a left turn, expecting to see a familiar face, and stopped dead. The comfortable, leafy chamber was in disarray. The shelves had been ransacked and Hegel's tea set was smashed over the floor. Worse, lounging on the comfortable mushrooms and going through Hegel's cupboards and trampling his tea towels were four weasley-looking creatures. Each of them was as big as a cat, but with skinnier bodies, brown fur and long, pointed faces. One of them was holding up a fine-looking teapot, about to smash it into the little hearth. "'Don't!' Jenny said, before she could stop herself. And then all four weasel things paused in their wrongdoings and turned to stare at her. Jenny suddenly felt that right now, being back in isolation, alone in her bedroom, would not be a bad thing at all.' 